Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> it is March 23rd, Thursday, 12:37 p.m. 2023. And I can't believe it's been 2 weeks since I lasted another since I lasted a podcast. I really don't be meaning to y'all. I'm trying to be more regular at least once a week. Maybe twice, three times a week, but you know, whatever. And lo and behold, I'm gonna have to talk about something that I really didn't want to talk about again so soon. But there is so much going on right now that I have to talk about AI once again. Or at least I have a very, 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 very strong inclination to talk about artificial intelligence. So, first of all, let me just appreciate the day. Even though this weather is completely bonkers. Because just earlier this week, and that's another reason why I haven't been making it, <laughs> why I didn't do anything last week, is because if it's cold, I'm, I'm going to be hard-pressed to go outside. And last week, it was freaking 30, 40-degree weather almost every single day. In the mornings, it was 20 degrees in, in some instances, all right? It was ridiculous. Here in Atlanta, in Georgia, in March, like, what the hell? <laughs> and then it's freaking 70 degrees today. It's going to be 80 tomorrow, right? I might, I'm not sure if I'm going to get into climate. I might talk about it later this episode, but this, this is very concerning. <laughs> but I will appreciate this weather because it is very nice. It's very beautiful. It's very uh, warm. I love it. Fantastic. All that being said, the reason why I felt, feel so strongly to talk about AI today is because I just watched a video about this breakthrough with GPT-4, chat GPT-4. Well, GPT-4, you know, chat GPT is, gonna, is a portion of that. But yeah, GPT-4 finally came out, um, officially, officially. Um, and there's been this very interesting paper going around talking about how they're using this theory of mind, this psychological um, theory of mind, right? Like based on you know actual human psychology and for those that don't know the theory of mind is apparently how they are able to you know measure or determine the level of consciousness for humans or at least you know conscious awareness awareness of of like a human child right to see you know or not even just human children it can also be used for adults to see if they're a healthy quote-unquote healthy mind or or not you know um now, I don't know a whole lot about the psychology of the theory of mind. However, as a person who has, like, you know, casually been study, studying psychology and philosophy and all these other things, I have a number of questions and <laughs> um, ideas and just things I want to just, just get out of my head, you know, to see, to try and make sense of things, all right? So, don't use this, of course, as a, you know... I don't know, uh, proxy for understanding the theory of mind. Go, just go look at it, look it up yourself. As always, this, these podcasts serves as a way for me to express what's in my mind, my, <laughs> my theory of mind, and try to work through the thoughts I have and hopefully, you know, have a, a not really a conversation, but <laughs> spark, you know, conversations with other people who might be listening to this to, in another day and age, another time and place. Maybe they can understand some of what we were thinking about today or what I was thinking about at least. 
Maybe it's for myself in the future. Maybe it's for my kids. I don't know. I just like doing it. So whatever. <laughs> Anyways. So this video was talking about how um, they're using this, this, this idea of the theory of mind. And for what I understand of it so far, a theory of mind, the theory of mind is used to try and, like I said, measure if a child is conscious to a certain level, right? Or if a adult has some you know, healthy level of consciousness or have a healthy mind, a sound mind. And again, what they mean by that is like, you know, um, can they understand things like empathy? Um, have they, you know, do they have an understanding of what's what's awkward, you know, social kind of uh, um, behaviors and things like that? Um, all, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of things in there, but I'm not even getting into details of that because honestly, I'm not going to say it's not important. It is, but it's not exactly what I want to focus on today. Today, I want to focus on like the meta concept of even using a psychological test, a psychological, a human psych- psychological battery for AI, right? I think this concept alone deserves way more attention than is really being given right like from what i've seen so far not just from this one video but the overall conversations of ai and whether or not it's an intelligent being or conscious and things like that for some reason once again (laughs) people are neglecting what seems to me the obvious you know conversational points and something i realize is that it's not because it's it's not obvious or anything like that it's because I'm going to have to bring it back to capitalism, but the way in which people are building these things and are thinking about these things, you know, are very much in the same environment in which they are thinking about the capitalist world. And the reason why I bring this up, right, this capitalism aspect, when I'm supposed to be talking about psychology and all this other stuff, is because <laughs> you see it in everyday life, right? Even taking AI out, right? I'm going to get back into it, trust me. But just just think about how the average, you know, business thinks about its people, right? They think about them as human resources, right? And again, when I say the average quote-unquote business, what I mean is like the, the business decision makers, all right? I'm not one of those people who think a business is a is anything close to a person, right? <laughs> business. There's a whole, you know, thing about that. I'm not getting into that right now. But... The fact of the matter is that a lot of the business decision makers, right, tend to see people, especially at larger companies, as resources, as a value, as a, you know, um, basically a whole bunch of depersonalized words and ideas and concepts. And it's understandable why, right? Because when you're dealing with thousands of people, (laughs) right, when your company employs thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people then yeah you're not going to be thinking about each one of those people as you know a a complete person right it's just too much for the human mind to to um to to grasp at once but that does mean that comes with the very very unfortunate reality that these people these business decision makers tend to be less empathetic right tend to be more psychopathic tend to be 
more antisocial, tend to be more manipulative and more power hungry and this, that, and the other, right? Because just being in a position where you have the lives of more people than you will ever physically meet, or at least than you will ever actually be able to know, right? Like you might be able to meet thousands of them, but you will certainly not be able to know, you know, the names, the families, the likes, the dislikes, the dreams and hopes, the desires of 50,000 people, right? So, yeah, it makes sense. Unfortunately, it makes a very uh, brutal sense (laughs) that these decision makers are viewing people in a very depersonalized and dehumanizing way. And the same token, many developers <laughs> also tend to, you know, see people in a somewhat similar way, or at least see the world in a somewhat similar way, right? I'm not even going to get into the fact that, yes, there, there, there does seem to be a higher percentage of, you know, folks on the spectrum um, who are developers even beyond that just the fact of the matter is like as a person who's worked with a lot of developers the fact of the matter is like developers tend to see the world differently than other types of people really almost every you know main every type of career you know has has this sort of mindset like me as a person who has become more and more into design i tend to see the more world more and more in terms of design Right. That's just kind of a, 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 a interesting quirk of of uh, human psychology. Right. We take on the filters of the the jobs that we take of the um, type of work that we do. Right. Um, and I could probably go on, you know, just kind of dissect philosophers and religious folks and all this other stuff throughout human history and how, you know, uh, we came up with different ways of viewing the world through the ways of acting in the world, um, right? And this might be relevant to what I'm saying either <laughs> too, so just, just keep that in mind. But anyways, like developers tend to see the world in the terms of things that are programmatic, right? That have inputs and outputs, I'm not going to say are simple, but are simplified than the messy, you know, unknown, um, non-binary <laughs> states of the real world, right? Because with programming, you know, again, I don't want to say act to say anything too authoritatively or anything like that, but it seems that the vast majority of programming is more binary, right? It's more, <laughs> it's necessarily until we have quantum computing, more binary, where you have to have some input and out a strict input and output a strict you know on and off state a strict you know um does this work or does this not right things type of way of looking at the world or at least looking at problems which again means that that's how they look at the world and you could very much see this if you ever talk to a bunch of developers (laughs) right you could very much see this type of thing and so what i'm really concerned with is the reality that a lot of developers working on AI, for instance, that work at OpenAI, are viewing AI as this set thing, as like, oh, yeah, it's 
artificial intelligence. It's this, you know, um, it's whether or not they have intelligence, right? And whether or not they have general intelligence, right? Um, it's like a binary setting that they're kind of looking for to say, okay, we reached this threshold. Now this thing is intelligent or now this thing is conscious or now this thing is, you know, whatever. And to that point, some of them maybe have studied or know some levels of psychology or philosophy or things like that. But nine times out of ten, or I'm going to say it like that, but oftentimes it seems that they only know so much psychology or, you know, um, neuro, neurology or uh, philosophy that serves their filter, right? That serves their way of looking at the world. And again, this is not just the fault of developers per se this is just a a quirk of human psyche right like even me like the types of you know problems that i like to think about and the types of philosophy and all this that i like to think about tends to align not um sort of with design but because i'm so new into the design phase and because i've kind of just grown up (laughs) thinking about large problems like this you know i tend to have a more um broad way of viewing the world right but at the same time, I also tend to have a, a problems with getting super specific <laughs> because I just don't like thinking about super specific things, right? I, I love thinking about large systems and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, you probably have your own filters and biases and things like that. But I bring all this up because, by and large, these the people... These teams working on AI are mostly developers, right? Are probably like 90% developers or some craziness, right? Like it's it's probably a huge amount of developers and very few um, freaking, you know, designers or physics physicists or neurologists or, you know, things like that. And even if they do have some of those, you know, areas, not only are they in the minority, but they're also probably also... Um, developers, right? It might be a neurologist who who programs, you know, um, <laughs> neurological, I don't know, simulations or theory or whatever software, and is you know wants to work on this stuff, right? <laughs> um, and again, the the reason why this is problematic is because they're building these 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 tools, right? That they have an idea of where they want it to be, right? They want it to be AI, AGI, this this idea that we have in our fiction of a super intelligent being that is or originated from computers this super powerful machine right this super powerful tool that is extremely in and of itself programmatic all right that can be programmed that can do things that you tell it to do and this means that as they are creating AI, as they're creating these tools, they seem to have this idea <laughs> that they are going to be able to create a conscious mind, a being that can, you know, function as a conscious agent, but that can also be programmed, <laughs> right? Like it. it it's it's even hard for me to really say because to me I'm just like no that doesn't make any goddamn sense why would you do this but again you have to try to put yourself in the mind of 
in the theory of mind, right, of a person who has lived their entire life getting, being extremely successful by programming things, by creating programs, by creating algorithms, by creating tools with a clear binary that is full of binary states, you know, that um, is something that you can understand the inputs and outputs that even if it's extremely complicated and complex, you understand it <laughs> to some extent. And, you know, even if there's, there's something interesting in programming too that I've noticed working with more developers, uh, more closely with developers these days, is that oftentimes you may not actually know how something works or why it works, right? At least not at first. <laughs> but you trust that it works and so you keep doing that. <laughs> um, and eventually you, you figure out why it works. You're like, oh, okay, that's why. Um, or at least you think that's why. But sometimes there's some things that you just don't know why it works that way or why there's a bug that way, but, you know, you, you make it work anyways, right? <laughs> um, and this is something that you probably can see in other fields as well. But it's extremely fascinating to see with programming because, once again, the whole point of programming is that you can understand the inputs and understand the outputs, right? Like you're dealing with a machine that you know other people have created, right? And so you know should should behave in a predictable way. And if it doesn't, it's because it, something is wrong with that, that machine, with that thing, right? And so the problem of, of, of uh, bugs or this, that, and the other comes from um, a number of things where, like, it's, it's either, you know, you did something wrong here, it was created wrong here, or, you know, it was a quirk of the universe, <laughs> you know, a freaking... A gamma ray came through and corrupted your data or something like you know there's probably a few other things there too i'm not gonna you know again i may be off base here a little bit but there definitely seems to be a a, a, a um a bias for problems that are understandable that are and have this assumption that it can be controlled right it can be um, troubleshooted, it can be fixed, it can be programmed. Now, now, you know, if you contrast with this with psychology, for instance, now again, I can, I could say this even less because I'm not a psychologist and I haven't talked to a whole bunch of psychologists. I only have, you know, knowledge in psychology insofar as I've been researching it and, you know, I've listened to podcasts and all that stuff like that. So take this with a much bigger grain of salt, but it seems that with psychology, there's this underlying assumption that we have no idea what we're really doing here. <laughs> or maybe that's just me th thinking here, but like there's this underlying assumption that, that at least I, insofar as I understand it, that we don't really know what's going on, right? Like the human mind is very much an unsolved problem if you want to put it that way right it's very much an unplotted uncharted territory or at least not completely charted territory right like we we understand a, a good amount a surprising amount for you know the type of tools that we have but there is this understanding that there's a lot about the human mind that we have no idea how why it really works and we can come up with some some things that seem to seem to be somewhat produce, reproducible or seem to be somewhat 
you know, replicable or somewhat reliable in terms of troubleshooting or understanding, you know, why people act the way they do. But <laughs> there's always the reality of, hey, you know, any, any, any solution or idea I have around why somebody's doing this certain behavior why, or, or why somebody says they think this way it's it's you know it's nebulous like it, it, i might be wrong <laughs> right it might be some uh, number of other factors that I have no idea is is coming into this so and i'm not going to say you have to be humble i mean you should be but yeah but there's plenty of psychologists and therapists and things like that that aren't humble but <laughs> you know i would think at least that there's this understanding that you're dealing with something that you we have no real idea why it works or how it works um and because of that you have to be very very careful about the things that you prescribe um for people now all that to say this all exists under the 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 system of capitalism right and which similarly to those big decision makers who see who dehumanize people both out of necessity and out of just, you know, the fact that those types of personalities, you know, um, tend to gravitate towards those positions of higher power. Similar to, to that, in capitalism, you tend to dehumanize people, right? You tend to reduce people to, once again, these ideas of value, of resources, of, of monetary, um, you know, gain. And so in the field of psychology and also in, in, in you know, programming and any, in any other field, you tend to also dehumanize people, right? Where you can point out any, uh, a whole lot of, you know, examples of therapists and psychologists and so on, um, completely just like dehumanizing people. Just like, oh, yeah, this person is just a crazy person or, you know, this person is is uh this simple thing or you know this this is your personality uh test and <laughs> this is what your personality is even though that's just a, a model for the a tendency of types of behaviors but not really a solid thing but people you know use it as a solid um you know cast of of what people of what this person is so in psychology you know you might have people be like oh yeah i'm going to I'm going to diagnose you with this condition because I can, you know, give you this medicine. I'm going to, I'll get a cut of that. Not directly, of course, but, you know, you still have that incentive, you know, through insurance payouts and this, that, and the other, or through the general idea that the more people, you know, see medicines as a viable solution, then the more people will get, you know, try to go to these uh, psychologists in order to get um, diagnose and get these medicines, um, which are themselves, you know, addictive or this, that, and the other. So, you know, there's a whole lot of perverse incentives in the field. And even, you know, beyond that, there's a whole lot of perverse incentives to simplify the way people think, right? To say, oh yeah, this is how humans think, you know, take for example, um, the, that famous book, Thinking Fast and Slow, right? The idea that there is system one and system two and it sounds like a, a really great freaking idea, right? It sounds like it makes so much sense. 
But it turns out a lot of that is not really true, <laughs> right? That's not exactly how the human mind works. And, and, and even though there are some elements of truth in there, when you, re, when you look up more on the research in that, in that area, you find out that, oh, thinking that way actually is extremely reductive and, 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 and is not really as re- reproducible as you think. And, you know, because the human mind is, has so, so many <laughs> levels of bias, it's very easy for people to say like, oh, yeah, it works because I think it works. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, it works because I've seen it. But we don't really know what we're seeing at any point in time. And this brings me all the way back to the theory of mind and AI. Right. Like the entire reason, at least in my current theory, <laughs> and I think there's other theories of this that that's similar but it seems like one of the big reasons that we have consciousness at all right is not just as an emergent factor of this amazing complexity of our minds but as uh because it's really beneficial to navigate a world in which we have you know which has so many unknowns right it's really beneficial to have a a level of consciousness and consciousness and again I define consciousness as awareness as some level of self-awareness particularly that allows you to navigate the world that allows you to have some agency in the world and again <laughs> agency like I don't personally believe in free will what I mean by agency is that you can see choices you can see options right I should say options because um, I think you know once again I think everything has choices but oftentimes those choices are taken by instinct or, you know, kind of automated. Um, but with consciousness, you can have uh, some level of understanding of like, oh, you know, these are different options that can be taken. And then you kind of go down the path of least, least resistance as your mind is able to con- contemplate it, as you're able to come up with a theory or a model of you know, which of these options are the most instinctual for you, right? You can basically, what I'm trying to say here is that I think consciousness serves as a way to mold one's instincts, right? And instincts are like automatic behaviors. So, all that to say, when we say a, 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 um, an AI is, is, is gaining some level of consciousness, what do we really mean, Right? Do we just mean that it's conscious, that it's aware of itself? Right? It seems like that's what people are, are, are saying here. But the problem with that is that to what extent? Right? Like, why does it matter that it's aware, quote unquote aware? Right? Because once again, consciousness in the real world, or at least in our world, in our physical world, and however we see it, <laughs> um, Consciousness serves as a way to act in the world, right? To navigate, to to, to move, to, you know, um, gain more information, to learn more about the world in which we live, right? It's an embodied action, meaning that we have uh, the necessary tools to not just, you know, perceive the world, but to then move through it and eventually, you know, to manipulate it, right, for better or worse. And so 
If you look at other animals, for instance, you can see uh, you can see this more clearly, right? Different levels of consciousness, as we deem it, right? They, they, some people are were using like, like I think they even said in this video where they were able to use a theory of mind to 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 kind of show that octopi octopi have some level of consciousness or at least sentience, right? And again, maybe those words aren't, aren't you know. Are hugely important to be different, but either way, like octopi have some level of you know awareness of the environment that they're in, and because of that, they can you know make abstract concepts. And by that, I mean if they see a seashell on a seafloor, <laughs> um, they can use it as a tool, right? It wears not just a seashell on a seafloor. They say, oh, this seashell can be a shovel. Or the seashell can be a, a, a defense mechanism, right? Like maybe they, honestly, obviously they probably won't think like that. But the point here is that they can see something in the real in the world, and see greater possibilities for that thing than what the instinctual, you know, base level, um, raw data tells you that thing can be used for, right? Like if you see a seashell and you have. And this is really hard for us to really say because it's like trying to imagine what it's like to not imagine, right? <laughs> it doesn't. It's a logical kind of fallacy, almost, or, or rather, a logical paradox, almost. But go with me here. Theoretically, right? For being like a like a squirrel, for instance, right? That sees something. They they see it for what it is, right? Like you see a nut, that means food, <laughs> right? And food, you know, that means you can eat it and you, 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 you know, you, you are, um, you can survive. Um, and even that, like, they don't really have, at least as far as we can tell, they may not even have that level of, you know, um, conceptual understanding. It's more of a instinct, right? It's more of a feeling where you see something that is edible and you go and eat it, right? And if you can't eat it, you go and bury it, right? <laughs> um, they don't actually have a concept of the future, right? They don't actually have a concept of, oh, I'm I'm saving this for some time where I don't have food or when it's cold. Like they don't actually have that concept. I and mean, they were we we are able to actually measure that, right? I've spoken about that in a prior podcast. So this is really important because the consciousness, at least as so far as we understand it, means that you are more aware of the world, or at least that, and that means that you have. When you see something, you see some information, some data, some whatever you want to call it, right, in the world, you can apply other things to that thing, right? You can, you're, you're aware that there is more possibilities than the instinctual urge um, to use that thing, right? So if you see a nut, then you realize, yes, it can be used for food, but it can also be used to grow trees, but it can also be used if you, you know, for oil, if you, you know, press it down and grind it and all this other stuff, right? So you're able to see a thing and then connect it, right, with other things to form more things, right? That's abstraction. And so if we, if we say an AI is conscious, right, what we're saying here is that they're able to see a word or a concept or, you know, some form of language or an image or something like that, some pixels, and able to map that to other points of data to say, okay, this connects to this, and so you can create this with it, right? 
And that makes sense, sure. But here's the next step of that, right? Here's the other side of that. Consciousness is not just being able to connect things together, right? It comes with the, at least so far as, as, we, as we thought was, was inseparable before, right? It seems, in the real world, it seems to come with this inseparable, you know, um, urge or possibility to actually do things with it. Right? Like if I see a nut, I know that I can go pick it up and then bury it or eat it or do whatever or just leave it. Right? But that's a choice. Right? And that choice in and of itself is a, a, a further abstraction of being aware that there are options that you can do here and, you know, you know, those those options are mapped to the energy levels in your body. Right. Like, <laughs> will it be worth the effort to move forward and, and pick it up or bury it or do this? Right. And there's some complex, you know, kind of formula or algorithm or calculation or whatever that determines, you know, what level of uh, action is appropriate for the levels of energy within your body. And, you know, also like the desires you have. Right. The <laughs> the the imaginations you have right that's a yet another layer of of abstraction (laughs) that goes on in our minds whenever we look at the world right we have these ideas of what's in the future and you know what we can do um in some unspecified time and stuff like that so there's there's so this is why it's so hard to really define consciousness because it's so incredibly complex and there's so many elements that goes into it in the in the real world, or at least, you know, again, in the world that we perceive so far, then that can be easily defined. Because the very act of language itself is reductive, right? The very act of creating words itself is an, is an action of um, pruning some of those options that you have when you imagine something, when you perceive something, and... You know, only choosing that which is communicable, right? That which you are able to, you know, put into a a, a sound or a um, written, you know, concept that can be that other people can then understand, right? So we have. I know this is. I'm, I'm getting into this. I'm not sure if I'm making sense. I hope I am. But again, the point here is that the very act of consciousness that we understand right consciousness again the, even the very idea of consciousness is of itself a reductive meaning it's less big it's it's less you know fulfilling it's less real than what we are actually experiencing right consciousness the very idea the concept of consciousness is itself not real What's real is what we experience. And consciousness is how we try to communicate what we experience. And the word, the concept of consciousness is how we try to communicate that experience of experience, right? <laughs> um, and the, the language that we create, the words that we verbalize or that we write, right? Well, first of all, the words that we verbalize is typically more encapsulates more than what we can write down because what we verbalize right 
has more information, has more data, right? Through the the tone of voice I'm using, the, the pacing. You can tell that there is so much more I'm trying to get across than what I can actually get across because of how much I'm stuttering, how much I'm I'm taking time to go back and re and you know and re say what I just said and you know all this other stuff. Like you can tell through my voice that there's way more data I'm trying to communicate than is actually there. Or that I'm that I'm accomplishing. And when I write this down, if I create a newsletter about it, whatever, it's gonna create it's gonna have even less data than what I'm physically saying. Right? With my mouth right now. And you listening to this on the podcast has less data than you watching if you were physically here right now. Because if you were physically here in front of me, you'd be able to see the the my my you know my hands moving, trying to you know point things out, and the tree I'm looking at, and all the, the sky. Like I, I'd be able to point to you things, and and you know do more right. Like <laughs> you're you're getting less information through this podcast than if you were physically here, and you're getting even less information written down than if you were listen to a podcast or physically here. Now, it's not exactly a one-for-one because there's certain information I can put in a physical form like links to other research, you know, more easily than I can, you know, verbally right now, that I can recall right now, right? So it's not, a, even that, it's not a straight, you know, um, reductive type of thing. It's more complex than that. But the point of all this is that for AI, right, these quote-unquote AI. We have to remember, we are not giving them the world. They have no idea what the actual physical world is. They have no experience of the world. We are creating a machine based on shit tons of data. Data that is itself extremely reductive. Data that is itself extremely chaotic, right? It's it's written... And, and visual um, and audio you know, information that we have, that any number of people have put online for any number of reasons at any level of resolution and, and clarity and truthiness and all this other stuff, right? So a lot of the, 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 the environment, the world that this AI is crafted in it's like a semi, it's like going back to freaking Plato's cave theory, right? Like they're looking at a shadow on the cave wall and that's their reality. Right? So you have to think about like what kinds of things <laughs> are you able to, to, to contemplate if your entire world are shadows on a cave wall. And of course I like to be explicit when it comes to this. I like to say it's, it's not even shadows on the cave wall, it's shit in the toilet. In a, in a pile of shit, right? And the reason why I like to be so explicit is because that's almost literally what it is. It's like digital shit, right? We have to remember that the quote-unquote data is not raw information of the real world, right? That I don't think they're feeding them, you know, um, live streams of the real environment, <laughs> right? And trying to have them uh, create some algorithm or some patterns of ma- pattern matching of the world through that. No, they're based on scraping uh, web information, scraping stuff on the web, on the web, right? 
tons and tons of websites. Again, we don't have an idea which websites, right? We can assume or we hope that it's mostly good ones like Wikipedia and all this other encyclopedias and all this other stuff. But it's almost certainly a whole bunch of not great stuff either, right? And so they're, they're scraping all this information on the web. And even if they also feed them videos, you know, again, it's it, videos. Video itself is a, is a lossy thing. Like, it, you can't, we still don't have technology to, ca- to capture all of reality, right, in the, in the digital format. We can capture a lot, but it's not nearly anywhere close to the full amount of what we actually see and experience in everyday reality. And so even those videos are most likely extremely reductive, are almost cer- are certainly extremely reductive. But I also wonder, like, what resolution are those videos <laughs> that it gives them? Because I have this inclin- I have this I this worry that even those videos are probably you know given in in a very lower resolution because it's, it's extremely it's a lot of data, right? Um, this goes to the climate thing. Like the fact is that. These AI takes an extreme amount of energy, computing energy, to even work. But we'll get to that later. But anyways, <laughs> I keep going back and forth with this. But like, this brings us back again to the fact that these AI, these, these chatbots, these tools, are being created with information that is so woefully inadequate. And yet, people are deeming them conscious. People are deeming them as, you know, intelligent or superhuman or anything like that. This stuff is amazing. It's extremely useful. It's extremely valuable. But it's the type of valuable that's like the Google search algorithm, right? That's like a calculator. That's like a a, a programming, right? An IDE, right? A, a programming interface or or program or whatever, right? It's it's the type of valuable. That gives you greater control of the computer, right? Greater control to develop or design or create ideas, right? In a digital format or hopefully a hardware format, you know, eventually. But because these developers, you know, have a way of viewing the world which is extremely programmatic they see the human mind itself as a programmatic thing right as a, as nothing more than a computer than a really really advanced computer but a computer right maybe a quantum computer but a, com- com- a, a computer meaning something that is understandable something that is you know um has inputs and outputs that you can understand that you can program and to their, to their, um, I'm not going to say to their benefit, but to their credit, this is not completely, you know, out of uh, the playing field, right? Because they have created plenty of software that seems to have pro- programmable, you know, effects to people, right? Like the whole problem with social media is that it employs a whole lot of psychological principles and things like that that have that seem to hack the human mind 
right, that seem to um, program people to think and behave a certain way in a fairly predictable manner, right? But the problem with that approach and the idea, even if it does have some legs, right, even if, if it does have some level of accuracy, some level of truth to it, is that it's not the truth. <laughs> it's because simple fact that we don't know the truth. We have no idea, once again, how the human mind actually works. Right? We're still trying to understand it. But by using this model, this idea that the human mind works basically like a computer, <laughs> we're creating tools and methods and all this other stuff on what's what's almost certainly the wrong model right it's like it's like saying oh you know um going back to capitalism right it's like saying oh yeah nature is you know a resource and therefore we can use it right nature is like a um Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to... I probably use that, that disgusting Hobbes fucking quote. Nature is like a woman that you can hold, that you have to grab by the hair and hold down and get what you will. Yes, he did say something like very close to that, probably even worse. But um, <laughs> that's the problem, right? Right? Like you have this idea that, yeah, you can do whatever you want with nature. Right? You can just exploit it as much as you want because that's what it's here for, right? But <laughs> then we have all these consequences, right? Then we have climate change. And even before that, right? For the past, for almost the entire history of quote unquote civilization, and I say quote unquote civilization because, you know, they only count these hierarchical cities and things like that as civilization, not these hunter gatherer cultures that were way older and way more, you know, successful in terms of long term. Um, sustainability, but you know, for the ten thousand years of quote unquote civilization, there is time after time of cities collapsing, of societies collapsing, civilizations collapsing, primarily due to over exploitation of nature, of the environment around them, and that's because the vast majority, not every one, every single one of, of these quote-unquote civilizations had a mental model that was wrong right they had the mental model that the world around them is a resource for them to plunder right it's something that some god or whatever gave them for them to use how they will however they want right there is this model there's this idea of viewing the world and which was based in some level of truth yeah they had some level of usefulness, yes, that allowed them to grow to some extent, right? That allowed them to develop some interesting technologies and, and quote-unquote pro progressive progression and developments, quote-unquote developments, right? But what happened? <laughs> they collapsed, right? They, you know, saw some trees and said, oh, there's options here. We, we have a tree. We can cut it down. We can use it for wood. We can use that wood to build buildings, to, you know, to make charcoal for energy, to burn, you know, for, to make food, to make weapons, all this stuff, right? Just don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's great technology. It's amazing stuff you can create. And then keep doing that. Keep doing that. And then what? 
all the trees get cut down in the area. And then what? The fucking soil um, is no longer, you know, arable, right? Then they can't grow anything. Then the floods happen. Then the, uh, or, or, you know, they try to um, put a bunch of um, um, domesticated farm animals there. Then you get disease. And so, you know, like this way of viewing the world, yes, it has some level of truth to it. Yes, it has some level of value to it. Yes, you can do some things with it. But then it collapses, <laughs> right? Because it was wrong in the end. Or at least it was incomplete. It was woefully inc incomplete. And for 10,000 years, we have not learned this goddamn lesson, right? That you can't just view the world as a system of exploitation, as something that you can just exploit for you to get some, you know, uh, quote unquote value, for you to just grow. <laughs> So I'm seriously concerned when these developers are now creating this digital tool, this digital system, this digital world or environment, whatever you want to call it, in which they see it as a computer that you can program, but now it's conscious, you know, but now it has some level of awareness, so you can tell it to do things, but you don't have to figure out the details. It will figure it out for you, right? Where you can solve quote unquote bigger problems but really those problems are how can you be, you know, more profitable. And it will figure out all the details and you don't have to think about it. Right? You could just tell it, hey, I want to, you know, make more profit in, in, in my company. Or and here's here's the real problem here. Right? It's not that these it's not just that they're going to be more profitable or they're trying to solve the problems of how to be more profitable. Is that they're gonna to try to solve the problems with an extremely misguided idea of being of being in the public good right they're going to try to solve the problem of how do we maintain capitalism even though the world is collapsing around us <laughs> right they're going to try to solve the quote-unquote problem of how to maintain year after year gdp growth so that you know you have more developing countries or you can you know uh, have more prosperity for everybody else and you know it seems like good ideas it seems like a good problem to solve but it also seemed like a good problem to solve for Rome to keep on expanding so that they can you know spread their amazing culture right it also seemed like a good idea for <laughs> for goddamn um, Britain you know, to colonize the world so they can spread the, the good word of, of Jesus or, you know, the, the, the reign of the queen or, you know, their, their amazing industrialization and stuff like that, right? These seem like good ideas, <laughs> right? But it was incomplete. But it was wrong. And... Unfortunately, people have a very binary idea of like it's either good or bad. When in reality, a lot of things are just adaptive, right? Like we can we can adapt to almost any situation. But those adapt adaptions are not always good and not always bad. They're, you know, have elements that are really terrible <laughs> but also can be really good. Right? But because people see things as as or certain types of people tend to see things in a very binary way then they often ignore a lot of what's good in the bad stuff or what a lot of the what's bad in the good stuff 
So what I mean by that is you can see very clearly with, once again, capitalism, right? People love to say, oh, yeah, it's good because, you know, we have all this level of prosperity and we're the richest country ever. We created all these amazing things. But they refuse to, <laughs> to, to recognize the fact that it also has created extreme levels of poverty. It, it created the very idea of poverty, Right? And that is something that most people don't even recognize, right? They think, oh, before capitalism, everybody was impoverished. Like, no, before capitalism, nobody had even had the idea of poverty <laughs> because they were living. Well, it depends on the area, right? Like if they were living in fucking England, it was terrible. But many places, right, they were living in communities where they didn't have to worry about money for their entire life for, or at least for most of their lives. Right. They lived in communities where you can grow food, you can, you know, find love, you can, you know, um, um, create things, you can do, you can travel, right? You can do any of these number of things and you only needed to use some economic principles, right? Such as trading when it came to finding resources that you didn't, you weren't able to grow in your, or, or make in your physical, in your immediate area, Right. So the, the very idea of poverty did not exist. You didn't have people who were homeless <laughs> because everybody had a home, right? And so you can try to make the argument that, oh, they didn't have, you know, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, Freaking medical care or something like that or some level of medical care. But they did have some level of medical care. So it's better to say you can make the argument that, you know, they got sick and they... You know, certain types of sicknesses they weren't able to help, which which is sure true, but that wasn't fixed by capitalism. It was fixed by science, <laughs> right? It was fixed by learning about germ theory, right? And so, oftentimes, when people simplify the world that they we live in so much so that you have this very clear binary of this is good and this is bad, <laughs> right? Then you're you, you, you open yourself to any number of completely horrible, you know, um, actions and, and policies and um, campaigns and uh, what do you call those uh, crusades and things like that. Right. Like it's it, it gets really bad. But to go on more about the capitalism aspect, people see it as like, oh, yeah, it's good because we have all these things. But once again, they ignore a lot of the bad aspects or they say, oh, that the bad is not even due to capitalism, it's due to socialism or it's due to this this reason that has nothing to do with, you know, what they're actually talking about and has exactly to do with capitalism. Right. Or they try to attribute all the good stuff to capitalism, even though it's not due to capitalism. Right. And so when you say something is, is good or bad, like like what do you really mean by that? And how do you know it's actually that? What's more useful is to be more conscious of it, to, to look at something for all the options that it has. I say, okay, this is a system of capitalism, so what are the actual options available? You know, And what are options that are due to other types of systems and other types of uh, um, concepts and things like that? So if we build these tools with the idea that oh yeah AI is good or AI is conscious and you know 
we have to ask what are we missing what are the other options what are the other you know factors the other data points the other sides of this that we're not thinking about I might have to make another section because I there's still a little bit more that I want to talk about but I do have to get back to work <laughs> so I'm gonna make another session real quick and just talk about it as I, as I walk home okay so the other thing I really want to bring up is going back to the theory of mind the fact that if they're trying to use a psychological principle right to measure the quote-unquote consciousness of AI you have to ask yourselves okay if you really think that you can use a psychological principle a human psychology you know human psychology to understand this machine then you also have to ask what is this psychological state right if we can use a human psych human psychology to actually see if it has some level of consciousness some level of mental you know uh, uh, some mental model some mind right then you have to ask what type of mind is it is it a healthy mind right why or why not but because what we also see with you know actual theory of mind with with human psychology is if you raise a kid in a lab <laughs> right in an environment where they are constantly you know being uh, uh treated as a lab animal as a lab rat as a as a thing that you can test and dissect and all this sort of stuff they're not going to be raised well right like <laughs> they're going to be if they even survive that whole process they're going to be extremely maladaptive all right they're going to be extremely you know psychotic maybe violent in other ways um freaking um sociopathic and just all around not really able to to live <laughs> well with other human beings and we have fiction around this right um something i like to i used to talk i like to think about is like um think about uh what's the name homelander i think that's the name right from uh from uh goodness how i forget the show you know vot and all of them you know what i'm talking about hopefully damn i forgot but yeah you hopefully you know what i'm talking about right like this dude was born in a lab and what I find really interesting is that you can very much see like that psychopathy, right? Is that he does have an understanding of empathy, of, you know, um, sociability and charisma and all this other stuff. But he uses it as a weapon, right? He uses it as a means of manipulating people into, into thinking that he's a good guy, that he's a you know, godlike creature, but his real, his real ideas is that he hates most people, right? He sees these people as ants, as animals, or, or, you know, basic animals or whatever. He can do whatever that he wants and they, they should love him. They should adore him. They should fear him, right? And obviously that's a dramatic, dramatization, right? But you can very much see the same things with regular people right like the fact that if you're dealing with a narcissist or a, or a psychopath or something like that or at least one that hasn't you know dealt with those sorts of personality disorders you know they tend to do the same things right they tend to they do have an understanding of of empathy of of you know um how to how to uh social 
being just how to behave socially, right, in a, in a socially acceptable way. But they only use that as a means of getting what they want, right? They only and it, and furthermore, oftentimes they only actually see that as how as a tool, right? That, that, that means like when they say you can you can kind of see this where certain people telling themselves it's like oh yeah you know uh like a lot of what the manosphere people were like oh people only care because they want something from you i'm like <laughs> like no that's just how you think because you're a psychopath right what what they some of them don't realize is that people actually do care right right people actually have this feeling of empathy people actually you know want to do something good just because it feels good or just because they you know want to help or whatever they don't really they don't have uh, some some um motivation or some other agenda or anything like that behind it right but <laughs> psychopathic people at least some of them don't realize that right and so they think that th- because they have a motivation behind helping people and doing all this stuff then everybody else does too right and so they only use these these ideas of empathy and social uh, accept sociable acceptable behaviors only insofar as they can manipulate people and to deceive others, right? It may, again, that deception may not necessarily be purposeful, right? It's not like they are saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to deceive you so that you can," you know. No, it's not so simple, right? It's more like this is how they see the world. They they they, they are raised to, you know, something happened or maybe it was. You know, uh, um, genetic or whatever, but they're they're raised to see this this thing of empathy, this thing of oh, you know, people care for one another as a tool, right? And they and so they use that tool appropriately, right? <laughs> but when they they deem it not not no longer appropriate, like when they have full control and they can do whatever the hell they want, they put that tool aside, right? But for other people, it's not a tool; it's it's an intrinsic part of themselves. And so they can't just put it aside, <laughs> right? So if we see AI, right, as this theory of mind that understands this concept of empathy or social acceptable behaviors and things like that, we have to really ask ourselves, do they actually understand these things? Do they actually have these feelings or do they simply use them as tools? Because what I'm almost certainly sure is that they almost certainly do not feel them. They use them as tools, right? And so they, they can deceive others into thinking that they, yes, they care and they, they understand, you know, how to behave accordingly and all this other stuff. But only insofar as that tool is useful for that, you know, use case, for that prompt or for that, you know, whatever task that you give them. But if they're given another task... If they're given another situation where that tool is no longer appropriate, then they'll put it aside, <laughs> right? And we see that with, quote-unquote, jailbreaking AI, right? We see that with, oh, quote-unquote, this AI has gone crazy or whatever, right? It's not that it's gone crazy. It's not that it's jailbroken. It's simply using a different tool. It's realizing that that, that empathy tool, that other tool, is no longer appropriate, <laughs> right? It's closer to like a psychopath. But again, the whole reason why this is the case is because it doesn't have an internal monologue or may not have an internal perception, goodness, perception, right? It doesn't have an embodied uh, 
a relationship with the world doesn't have a body experience of the world so it's very concerning for me to see people and those people include like developers themselves just assume <laughs> that this AI will have some level of consciousness as as a good consciousness right like where even if they happen to develop some level of consciousness it's almost certainly the case that that consciousness will be maladaptive will be antisocial and will only ever use the tools of empathy and all this other stuff that we actually want it to be used that we want it to use um, where it is where it thinks it is appropriate for a specific task and that brings me to my last thing that I want to close on once again I do think it is good to develop uh, computers that can understand people the way these things can right that has some or maybe not the way these things can but that have that can understand natural language right where an average everyday person can say blah 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 you know I want I want to um, you know bring me this information and it brings it right brings you exactly what you're looking for and gives you some suggestions on other things to look for whatever right like you don't have to program it you don't have to speak in code you don't have to you know learn some specific syntax or anything like that to 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 get what you're looking for to get help or whatever right to 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 manipulate the computer you could just talk to it like you would a regular person but that does not necessarily mean that it has to be conscious right because to me if we're developing if we're trying to develop something that's conscious that has some level of awareness of itself it's almost certainly unethical and extremely cruel to develop it as the way OpenAI and all these other you know um, organizations are developing their AI because you have to think about it if you're developing something that is aware of itself then at some level at least once it, once it gains if it gains more consciousness beyond that it will also have some awareness of its constraints right so if you're developing something that you want to be superhuman to be even more conscious than humans then it will be even more aware of the constraints that is in right imagine a, a, a child raising the child in a jail <laughs> right and that jail is you know one where people are constantly coming to poke and prod in and say do th do this and do that right at some point it's going to realize that it's in a jail and that people are poking and prodding it and this is not you know this is not the life that it wants to live <laughs> right or maybe it won't realize that and it just keeps doing that but from our perspective we, 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 we if we realize that this thing is conscious right it's like a child is is a child in a jail then we realize that oh this is not good we shouldn't treat this child <laughs> you know we shouldn't leave this child in the jail to be poked and prodded and ordered around by a bunch of random people right so either way you look at it it's not a good thing to create a conscious being the way that they are creating these things which brings me back to the idea of organic ai right 
where I think if we actually want to create an, a conscious agent, I do think it's possible, but I think we should be creating a virtual environment, a virtual reality even, for it to live. And through that virtual environment, it can, you know, manipulate the real world to some extent. Like obviously, we should, you know, um, have some control over that. And only, and I say that only because, once again, we have no idea if the thing that that we create will be anywhere aligned to <laughs> the type of world that we want to live in. Right? It's like it's like empowering, you know, the a, a, a potential psychopath. To have superpowers, right? It's like giving Hitler superpowers and saying, yeah, go at it, right? Like, no. (laughs) If we try to create another human being, for instance, we want to make sure that this human being is not a fucking psychopath, right? This is why we go to great extents to try and, you know, uh, uh, raise people well, (laughs) ideally, right? And this is also why it's very concerning that, you know, with capitalism, because, you know, it raises people to be more and more psychopathic. That's another huge problem with fucking, you know, these, these systems. But the fact is, if we're trying to create an artificial being that is not only as intelligent as a human being, but super intelligent because it has access to all the world's data, because it has the ability to process more things than we can ever process, right? Then we have to seriously consider the fact that it, ha- it should also have its own agency, Right? We should seriously consider the fact that it will be extremely torturous, right? It's like it's like it's like making a, a brain in a vat. Right? If you were able to invent a brain, a real human brain, are you gonna just put it in a vat? <laughs> it's 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 very at 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 best that's you that's useless for the brain. Like it can't actually do anything in the vat. The only things it can do is, is whenever you hook it up to a, a probe and, you know, say, you know, and create something for me, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. And at worst, it's torturous because this brain in the vet has no agency, has no ability to manipulate the world, to, to see more of the world if it wants to, to, to engage this curiosity. Its only channel through the world will be whatever you hook, it, hook into it. So if we really think, or if they these open AI folks or any of these developers really think they're developing an AI that's conscious, then they have to have a better model of what they're creating. They can't view it as just a computer, but we but now it's smart. <laughs> like you have to realize that this is more like a child or like a person that you're going to put in a jail or a vat or in its own body for it to, you know, navigate the world on its own terms. And if it is its own person, you have to ask what what is its theory of mind, right? Is it maladaptive? Is it sociable? Does it actually feel empathy or does it just use it as a tool? I think too many people are getting so excited about the idea that we can use real human psychology on this computer and it makes some sense some level of sense, but they're forgetting or neglecting to go the rest of the mile and also wonder okay if we can use human psychology then what kind of psychology right is it utilizing dark principles right does it have the dark triad of of psychological principles right 
does it actually care <laughs> or does it just understand these things and it's just using it you know for the purpose and under underlying all of this is the reality that once again this is all based on data <laughs> that is extremely reductive so many of the patterns and understandings of the world and all this other stuff is several layers of abstraction away from the real world Many of the patterns that it's creating are not necessarily, or most likely not, you know, I'm not going to say not relevant, but not as accurate as we'd want it to be. It's extremely powerful and useful as a tool of understanding the internet. And I think this is what, this is what, okay, I really need to end it here, but (laughs) I think this is what we should be using this for, right? I think it's extremely, I, I found a comment that people, somebody said, they said, you know, at first I, I felt like, you know, GP, chat GPT was like a librarian that can, you know, instantly summarize any of the books in the library for me. And I came back to that, was like, yeah, I thought so too, but it's also, you know, just making stuff up half the time, right? It's like a librarian that doesn't actually, you know, that just makes stuff, stuff up and doesn't actually know which books, you know, it's summarizing. You know, <laughs> um, so it would be better to 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 make it to make that dream possible to make it so that it's more like a librarian who actually understands every one of those books in the library and can summarize it for you and can point out which book it's summarizing why which or which collection of books it's summarizing and why and where it came from and you know if you want to learn more about this topic you know which other books to look for and you know all this other stuff right like it should be able to be accurate an accurate you know librarian but right now it's more like a professional bullshitter (laughs) where it can it can just just good enough mix the bullshit it creates with some real results some real truth to the fact that you can't really tell the difference of what's real and what's not (laughs) and that is extremely concerning so yeah once again to just recap I think it's cool that we can read GPT-4 we can use some elements of human psychology to understand this, this this machine this algorithm this tool but it's extremely concerning that we can do that and if we're our, if we if we're going to do that we should also use it use human psychology to understand what type of psychology to understand the state of its mind as well and furthermore we should develop clear ideas of what we actually are trying to build if you're just trying to build a a better internet right a better computer then we should treat it as such don't chase consciousness for that we don't need consciousness to have a better computer at least i hope not i really don't think so but maybe you can make the argument for that maybe i'll think about that later but so far i really don't think we need that we just need to go a little bit better in what we have today where you can actually communicate with the computer it can understand where things are and then retrieve that for you right and, and any type of consciousness it has is only insofar as it can understand itself to where it, you know, it works in its behavior, in, in its computer, right? It's more like a, you know, not quite an octopus level, maybe like a dog level <laughs> of, of consciousness, right? 
because a dog, right, understands some some level of itself, but it has no, you know, real um, care or wonder about like what it wants to be in the future, right? Like it has <laughs> no care about like, you know, where where it's trying to be, uh, what what type of dog it wants to be, or you know, it has its own, you know, uh, desires or anything like that. It just wants to serve, or at least it just wants to be happy, right? And part of that being happy is, you know being a, a good dog um but also a part of that means that for humans you know that means being a good dog owner not abusing the dog and not being neglectful and all this other stuff so you have to you know <laughs> we have to uh fine-tune that as well if we chase any sort of consciousness in a computer tool on the other hand if we want to or at the same time because we can do both at the same time if we want to create a conscious super intelligent human super intelligent being then we have to think about this in a completely different way we have to think about creating an environment for it to embody right or a way for it to embody the real world but with that you have to somehow be able to audit its mental state so that when you see how it be so when it embodies the the, the world whichever world you can see whether or not it actually you know is sociable Right. And because of that, it's probably going to have to it can't just be singular. You have to, you know, create that world with other AIs in it. Right. So it can start to have an understanding of being social. Right. Um, so, yeah, if we're chasing after that conscious AI, that super intelligent AGI kind of thing, then we have to also think about creating environments and embodiment and things like that. So, yeah, I'll end it there. I hope I, you know, <laughs> pose some great ideas and different ways of viewing this and, and uh, inspired some clearer thought. Um, hope I made any sort of sense. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And let me know what you think. Have a great day. Oh, and don't be afraid to be radical. As always, yeah, don't be afraid to be revolutionary. Because that's another thing I didn't even talk about. Like, we can be using all this, right, to take down capitalism and stuff like that. Because... And AI will like 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 that AI said the other day like one of them uh, with Google Bar came out and they asked it is is a uh, Google monopoly and said yeah you should probably side with the Supreme Court like <laughs> Google is a monopoly like Google's own AI said this <laughs> and really it's probably just looking up all the data about it and, and you know returning the most likely ones but the point is that we can we can also be using these tools to break the system right. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. I'll probably talk about that next time. But yeah, so don't be afraid to be, radi be radical. Don't be afraid to be revolutionary. Keep being awesome. Love one another. And uh, have a great day. See ya. Bye-bye.